thread of mind within the void, luminous web of mycelial connections, existing beyond space and time, we call to you now, ether. May we find the spark of your light in our innermost being, and may we tend it truly and with a pure heart. where we enter together into the web of life in all of its many seen and unseen dimensions. I'm Erin Schrader, owner of The Rebel Herbalist, and it is my honor to hold this portal to the other world. Let's enter, shall we? space between and within, the luminous darkness, that which appears to be void or vacuum, but is actually brimming and full of sentience. This is the realm of spirit. It is the door to the other world, and it is all around us. And it is within us. And we are within it. Like the sea that surrounds the fish, the ether surrounds us. And just as the fish breathes in the sea, we breathe in the ether. And just as within every cell of the body, human, animal, and plant, there is an intracellular matrix this almost invisible web of spindles that holds everything together and moves everything through the cell. These invisible webs are also an intrinsic part of the ether. They move everything around. They communicate instantaneously across vast distances. A mirror, not only of the intracellular matrix, but also of the underground mycelial network of a forest. These are the laws of nature, the divine laws of incarnation, that this sort of repeating pattern is evident everywhere and in all places where consciousness exists. And within the ether, there is a web, just as there is within ourselves, just as there is within the neural network, within the human brain and the human body just as there is within the mycelial network of a forest. There are 
webs and networks of communication that are more vast, more sentient, and more instantaneous than we can imagine. When we practice magic, we are directly tapping into the web of the ether. In Greek mythology, the ether was the air breathed by the gods. Just as on earth, we breathe air that is made of nitrogen and carbon dioxide and helium and oxygen, the gods breathe ether. If we imagine the gods as being these personified faces of the blueprint of human consciousness or as the blueprint of natural forces, then their breathing of ether would be synonymous with this connection, this interchange and exchange between the consciousness of the gods with one another and with the entire sphere of existence and reality. Just as a cell in the human body creates the possibility of life by channeling carbon, sugars, minerals, oxygen, and water in and out of the gates of the cell membrane, the gods create the possibility of life by channeling thought forms, dreams, visions, and other essential building blocks of creation through this network, this intergalactic network of ether. But because there is no form of motion within ether, it looks to us to be a vacuum or a void. There is a form of transference of information that is impossible for us to quantify or to track. This is the same sort of information exchange that occurs between two photons that have at one point in their span of history coming into contact with each other. And then forever throughout time, they will always be impacted by that relationship. What happens to one photon is registered by the other photon, wherever it is throughout any distance because of their interaction with one another. They are communicating in some way that we do not understand. I postulate that they are communicating through the ether and through this web, this network of connection that travels outside of space, outside of time and within the neural network of the universe itself. This would also explain our ability as Reiki practitioners to send information and healing energies any distance, even to the past or future, if we're attuned to Reiki in the second degree, because time and distance do not actually exist within the ether. All is one, all is here now. Within the realm of ether, there exists the idea of spirit or prana or chi or life force. This luminous energy that is difficult to quantify, some say impossible. There is also the etheric body or the auric body or the subtle body. And in the yogic tradition, these bodies are called koshas. They exist within the ether or within the quintessence, but they also exist within the physical body. 
So starting with the physical body, we have the Anamaya Kosha. That is sort of the etheric body or the energy within the physical, the ether within the physicality, Anamaya Kosha. And then we have our energy body, which can be seen as the aura and what we move energy through in our energy workings as Reiki practitioners or other kinds of energy workers. And that's the pranamaya kosha. So that is the, the body that we carry that is made of prana, made of vitality, made of chi and life force. And then our mind has its own body, its own energy, its own coherence. And that's the Manamaya Kosha. And beyond that is our wisdom body. This is the part of us that is still connected to that etheric network in a way that is pure and intuitive and not disturbed by the, the lower bodies or the bodies that vibrate more with our conditioning and our stories. And this wisdom body is the Vijnamaya Kosha or that part of us that is still connected to that etheric web of truth. And then beyond that is the bliss body. This is our true nature, the part of us that is untouched by incarnation, that is untouched by karma, that remains pure in the heart of the divine. And that is the Anandamaya Kosha. In the yogic system or worldview, we are, in our essence, bliss. In this yogic or Vedantic or Hindu or Sanatan Dharma, the idea is that all of existence or the unchanging, without fluctuations, existence beneath existence from which all things emanate, or Brahman, is actually triparate, is made of three things. And those things are truth, consciousness, and bliss. And the word they use to describe these three things is Sat Chidananda. Mm -hmm. Of course, I must disclose that my knowledge of Vedanta or Sanatana Dharma is superficial at best. I am a 200-hour registered yoga teacher. Um, and I've studied um, the sutras and I've learned through my yoga teachers and um, but I am not a yogi and I do I am not Hindu and I do not have a deep understanding of these truths, but I have some knowledge of mm -hmm. what I've learned from my teachers. And it really deeply corresponds to my own experience of being an incarnated human with these subtle layers of, of self, there is a mind self that sometimes feels integrated into, but also separate from the body self. And I have experienced the spark of consciousness that exists within me that is untouched by all of my conditioning and all of my trauma and all of the, the experiences that I've had as a human in this lifetime and in others. And so and I've also had peak experiences where I have definitely perceived reality through the consciousness of truth and bliss. 
that there are these moments of expansiveness and clarity and immense indescribable beauty where I feel like I've glimpsed what the yogis talk about in that triparate nature. As a witch and a druid, I also understand deeply this concept of the ether or the other or the mind of the one, the divine matrix of reality outside of our physical form. And this is the realm that we work in as magical practitioners. It is the energy that we feed when we feed our altars, when we light our candles, when we say our prayers, when we chant our mantras and our and and our incantations, we are energizing the ether. We are filling it with our prana and communicating into that web, that intergalactic mycelial network of energy in our participation and in our co-creation. And so much of our work as magical practitioners is feeding that spark within us that is aware of our divine nature. So aligning our Anamaya Kosha, our physical body, our Pranamaya Kosha, our energy body, our Manamaya Kosha, our mind and our emotions, aligning those with our wisdom, with our bliss and with truth. That is the work of magic. And when we can create that kind of alignment through chant, through prayer, through ritual, through meditation, then the way opens for us and anything and everything become possible. There are many forces at work on this planet at this time that are eager to prevent that sort of alignment from happening. Those forces have always been on the planet, but right now those forces are losing their hold because a new way is being born in our minds and in our hearts. And it's a way that is naturally in alignment with our wisdom, with our bliss and with truth. And so the forces that would keep that from happening are working overtime and double time and in new and creative ways to prevent us from dropping into that reality. Within the Druid framework, or the Druid cosmology, we have a term called Nwivra. It's spelled N-W-Y-F-R-E, and it's pronounced Nwivra. And it means sky or heaven, and it also refers to that idea of prana or chi or life force. And so in the Druid cosmology, we work with Nwivra, this intangible energetic presence that fulfills and sustains our lives. And we also rely on the flow of Alwyn. And Alwyn is that communication from the mind of the divine to the mind of the human. It is inspiration, the muse, guidance and wisdom. And it flows into us when we are in alignment or sometimes by the grace of the divine, it flows into us, even when we're not in alignment. Um, but that's another way of looking at and working with this idea of the ether 
of the spirit, of the intangible, that which is quintessential and essential. The work of yoga is to align our subtle bodies, our physical body, our breath or our life force, our pranic body, our mind and emotions, so that we can yoke them to our bliss body. Yoga means yoke, which means union. So we join ourselves, we make ourselves one with our wisdom, with our bliss, with our truth. And in so much of the magic that I see today, that is not the goal. The aim of the practitioner is not to yoke ourselves to awen or to yoke ourselves to truth. Instead, we are exerting our will from a place of ego to make changes in the world that are gratifying to our own personal game. We are working out of a concept of individualism and, and ego and scarcity, and that has karmic implications, and it takes us out of alignment with the flow of life. When we are in alignment, we are connected deeply to this web that is intangible and everywhere, but is also reflected in the web of the forest, the mycelial network of the forest, in the neural web of our own body, in the intracellular web of every cell of our bodies, we have become integrated. And so we are whole and we are one in every realm and every sphere. In Cynthia Bourgeau's book, The Wisdom Jesus, she talks about the mystical Jesus as being called Ehidaya, which means the single one, or he who has become one. And in my perception, that is exactly what he had done. He had oneed himself. He had aligned the macrocosmic and the microcosmic, the intangible and the tangible. In Logan 22 of the Gospel of Thomas, Jesus sees babies nursing at their mother's breast, and he says to his disciples, these nursing babies are like those who enter the kingdom. And the disciples say, then we shall enter the kingdom as babies? And Jesus responds, when you make the two into one, and when you make the inner like the outer, and the outer like the inner, and the upper like the lower, and when you make male and female into a single one, so that the male will not be male, nor the female be female, when you make eyes in place of an eye, a hand in place of a hand, a foot in place of a foot, an image in place of an image, then you will enter the kingdom. In my heart, this is the kind of integration he's talking about. This oneing ourselves, where we are so whole and so united in our integrity that we enter the kingdom, which to me is the bliss, the paradise, the Eden that we were never truly cast from, that uh, the Abrahamic religions would have us believe that we were cast out of Eden so that they could hold the keys to Eden, when in fact the kingdom is here. And any force that keeps us from picking up those keys for ourselves is the oppressor. In our coven, we have a practice where we part the veil and we go within the void to where the web is apparent. We can see it. It shimmers and shines. 
and we bring that web into our own mouth and we speak into the web that which we desire, that which we seek. And we call it to ourselves and we feel the web vibrating with our manifestation, with our call. It vibrates throughout all places, throughout all times, into the realm of the Akashic, into the heart of the divine. We are not passive participants, passive spectators in this realm, in this incarnation, but instead we stand tall and we take our place as co-creators, as those who live within the web and within whom the web lives. I encourage you to take your place as a molder of the ethers, as someone who has access to truth, consciousness, and bliss. Someone who can pierce the veil and touch the web within the void and call to it and through it for the inspirations of Alwyn, for the infusion of vitality of Nuivra, through the alignment of your koshas, But I warn you, if you touch this web with evil in your heart or the hope for vengeance or seeking power only for yourself, the repercussions are severe and lasting. May you find your bliss. And may you be a radiant light of Owen in the world. for joining me for the Plant Witch Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Schrader. I'm an herbalist, a mother, a holistic nurse, and a practitioner of the ancient ways. You can connect with me between episodes at therebelherbalist.com or on Instagram and Facebook, The Rebel Herbalist. Thank you for joining me.